When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Birthtales. This is Mummy Work. Okay, thanks. Welcome back to Kiwi Birth Tales, a birth story episode. It has been a while, but I am very pleased to tell you that that's what this episode is. If you're new around here, my name is Jordan and I am your host of the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am a mum of two. I have little Jai, who is three, and Ali, who is almost one and a half. I am a full-time working mom, and I also have a small business which is called Your Birth Project. And Your Birth Project is an online hypnobirthing course designed to support you to create your best birth. It is also an online store that has pregnancy, birth and postpartum related products and recently released journal, which is a pregnancy, birth and postpartum journal to support you through planning and education and it is the perfect complement to the course or just on its own. So that is me. Welcome back. Gosh, oh my gosh, it's been just like a massive couple of weeks again and I can't believe I keep saying that. We've had these horrendous weather events in New Zealand and my heart absolutely breaks for the families who have been yeah, really severely um, devastated by those. So it's with a very heavy, heavy heart that I do release this episode. Um, I work yeah, for one of New Zealand's um, large supermarkets and we've had obviously a lot of team impacted and equally see a lot of the impacts across the country. So it's been a massive couple of weeks. Um, had a lot on with the kids. I feel like they are just at like such... Um, yeah, crazy sort of development stages at the moment. Ali's starting to say some words, which is so cute, but he's also biting, which is absolutely not cute. Um, I did post about that on my Instagram stories this week. Uh, he's biting like affectionately, so he'll snuggle in for a really tight cuddle and then he just bites you really hard on the shoulder. Uh, occasionally he'll bite Jai if he's like annoyed or frustrated um, with him and yeah, it's just not good we're trying everything I try to put him down and say no Ali you, like, I won't let you bite mommy that hurts and walk away um he doesn't seem to give a shit when I do that <laughs> um I've tried saying like ow really loudly and I said that hurts and sort of just like put him down and again he doesn't really seem to care if I'm doing that so I don't know I don't know what the right answer is I had lots of you reply to my um direct messages with that but yeah who knows I will um keep you updated if I find a way to get him to stop doing that but also I know it's a developmental thing and hopefully it won't last too much longer. So what am I bringing you today? I am bringing you the birth story of Levi and Harper with the beautiful Lara and Lara is the owner of Pure Mama. You probably would have heard an episode sponsored by them previously um, and I just absolutely love all of their products. I stock them in the Your Birth Project store um, I used them myself when I was pregnant. I just, I still use the belly oil. Um, I sometimes use it on Ali's dry skin or I just use it on the daily because I think it's so nice and um, makes your skin feel so nice. So huge fan of Pure Mama. But Lara is, um, yeah, she lives in the sunny Papamoa down here and she shares her story 
with us. Their first pregnancy um, was actually a miscarriage. So she talks us through the sort of rigmarole that it was to find out whether or not she actually was pregnant and um, yeah, losing that pregnancy and what that sort of meant for her. Then we talk through Levi's pregnancy and birth um, and sort of postpartum period and how she navigated that. Um, she did end up getting some support to bring Levi into the world, um, which wasn't a C-section, but she um, yeah ended up having some tools to support that delivery. So she talks us through that. And then she has a really beautiful and positive birth story with Harper, which um, had some serious complications as soon as she was born. So she talks us through that as well. Um, so glad that Lara's little family are all safe and happy and thriving now and I know you're going to enjoy this episode because Lara is such a joy to talk to so I will let you jump into it um, I'd love to hear feedback if you want to send me a message at Kiwi Birth Tales on Instagram or find me kiwibirthtales at gmail.com and put me an email okay let's jump into the episode hey Lara thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today no problem um, it's been a long time coming but I'm finally doing it (laughs) it is very happy to have you and do you want to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family yeah sure so um my name is Lara Christie and I well actually Lara Henderson now got married a couple of weeks ago (laughs) yeah so exciting (laughs) yeah finally that took about four years because of COVID delays but um so I have two small children. Uh, I have Harper, who is 10 months old, or nearly 10 months old. And I have Levi, he's uh, around three and a half years old. So uh, I, some of you may know me, you know, personally, but for others, uh, you may know me through a business that I own called Pure Mama uh, Skincare. So Pure Mama was actually started when I was pregnant with Levi uh, after going through pregnancy, not really resonating with any of the skincare brands, not being able to find what was safe and effective, um, and then also not really enjoying that skincare experience that was available. Um, And, yeah, just I was really overwhelmed and confused at everything, you know, pregnancy, finding out you're pregnant, you get overloaded with information and things. So that's, I guess, where Pure Mama started. Um, And so, yeah, I've been running that business since I I got pregnant with Levi, and Mm. then that's essentially my third baby. Um, Yeah. And yeah, then I had Harper uh, 10 months ago now, so April last year. So it's yeah. been a busy couple of years for me, but we live down um, in Papamoa, so really close to you, and we love it down here. I was in Auckland for probably 12 years, and then um, we finally made the move to be closer to family and closer to the beach and a few other bits and pieces. So yeah, nicely set up down here with our family now, and um, I have a really nice office space as well, so that's exciting. But um, I guess that's that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah, amazing, awesome. So we're going to talk through yeah all sorts of things, pregnancy and birth today. But maybe if mm-hmm. we start with um, your journey to pregnancy with Levi. Okay, so Levi, the the journey to pregnancy, uh, we were really fortunate in that regard. We, you know, you start to hear a lot of things about you know, pregnancy um, or conceiving taking a really long time. We had never put a time limit on it or, you know, a set date or when we wanted to do things and we weren't too fussed on getting married. uh, So we just decided to start trying. Um, Turns out that didn't take very long. uh, That actually I got pregnant in the first, oh, 10 days or something. So I know, crazy, right? (laughs) 
So I actually got pregnant in 10 days and then um, I hadn't tested for it or anything because I honestly didn't think it would happen that quickly. Mm. And then um, I actually had my 30th, which was a huge party up in Auckland. <laughs> and, yeah. um, you know, somebody, somebody made a joke, like, imagine if you were pregnant. And I was like, probably not, and rah, 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 rah. And then the next day or two, I started to feel a little bit off, or even though it was the day after, and I did a pregnancy test. And um, my whole family and friends and everybody were around, and instead of keeping it to ourselves, we told everybody right then and there. So my <laughs> I, myself and Rich had about oh, two minutes to process it, and then I'm a sharer, so we told all the family and stuff. <laughs> um, and that was really exciting and overwhelming, and I was, um, yeah, it was it was crazy, and then that week I went to the doctor, um, you know, just to check my bloods and make sure I was pregnant. And I think it was Thursday that week and um, I wasn't feeling that well or anything. And then I got my, I, you know, peed on the stick and she was like, oh, no, you're not pregnant. Um, and I, I was like, sorry, what? I was really mm. confused because I'd done two or three pregnancy tests at home. And um, then she said, do another one. And I, so I did another one and, and she said, no, you're not pregnant. And I was like, oh, okay. So I was, you know, I was pretty shocked and confused mm. and pretty adamant that I, well, I thought I was. I'd spent the whole week thinking I was pregnant, which is a lot, you know, when you've got a lot yeah, of, yeah. A lot of yeah. thoughts and emotions going through your head. And then um, she said, oh, well, go get your blood test done. Uh, so I went to a lab test, got my blood test done. And the bloods came through that afternoon. And then she calls me and says, actually, your HCG levels are rising. You might be pregnant. So then I was like, okay, okay, then I am pregnant. <laughs> and so that night I thought I was pregnant. And then the next day or in the next couple of days, I don't really know what happened. Um, I actually, Rich actually proposed to me. So it was all, you know, it was all happening. It was all, mm. you know, very fairy tale esque But that morning I'd gone to my sister's house and, um, then I'd started bleeding. And so I'd actually, whatever that was, it was just a very early stage pregnancy, hadn't actually mm. stuck. And so I actually wasn't pregnant. Um, so that, and then I came home and I hadn't told Rich yet because I was just, you know, I'd just been out and it was, it was still mm. quite intense, but he'd had this big proposal planned at home. Oh, and then no. he, and then he proposed to me and I just burst into tears because oh, I was no. like trying to deal with this, emotional yeah. roller coaster yeah. of a week and then finding out we weren't pregnant and and yeah it was it was um most people would probably look back on their engagements and you know <laughs> think only about that but for me it wasn't and it was um yeah. yeah it was it was a really crazy time but you know not everything's a fairy tale so that's that was that and then we kind of went out for lunch and I was still like oh still quite upset and then um when I should be really happy because we just got engaged, but so be it. And then we kind of said, okay, that's fine. Um, we very much aren't pregnant. That's fine. We'll just, we'll just keep trying. But then I kind of, I guess it dawned on me that this pregnancy journey may not be that easy. Mm. And I know a lot of women face that, but until you really start yourself, you kind of don't really know how it's going to go um, and how long it's going to take you. So um, then we just said, okay, well, we'll, we'll keep trying and, and see what happens. And then I think in the, within the next two months, I actually did get pregnant. Um, but having that experience the first time made me go a little bit in denial. So mm. 
I would check, I, you know, I, would, I probably went through, oh, I don't know, 10, 20 pregnancy tests. But every time I saw a faint line, not the strong line, I'd be mm. like, nah, it's not happening. You know, it's not happening. Yeah. It, it's not going to happen again for me. So um, I, again, was, yeah, I was very much in denial. And then um, it wasn't until right before Christmas that I went and got my bloods done again. And then my HCG levels were in the kind of tens of thousands. And they were like, no, you definitely are pregnant. So <laughs> yeah. that's when it kind of set in. Um, but it was just such an emotional roller coaster. Mm. Um, and, you know, I empathize with anybody that has been through that in any way, shape or form. And I mean, mm. that first time when we were pregnant, um, it wasn't for, it was only for a couple of weeks when we thought we were, but I can only imagine how tough that is when you've got to, you know, eight weeks and you have a miscarriage or 12 mm. weeks or 20 weeks or anything. Cause I only got a, a small taste of it, but, um, it was, yeah, it was pretty gnarly and you know, mm. I wouldn't wish that upon anybody, but, um, like I said, no pregnancy journeys that, that easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then, yeah, then I was pregnant, um, and I, that pregnancy went pretty well, I think. Um, I, one of the major hiccups for me or major things for me was I got gestational diabetes mm-hmm. and I didn't really realize that, well, I think the word diabetes, you know, has certain connotations with it. And mm. um, I was pretty healthy and I thought, you know, what what does this actually mean and how will this actually go? Um, but I didn't have – I just had to m- manage my blood sugars um, and eat really well, basically. Uh, I didn't actually have to, you know, manage it with insulin or anything. But yeah. for me, it was a very big adjustment during my pregnancy, learning to – I guess, manage it or just manage the stigma around it. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't an external stigma. It was probably one that I'd completely created in in my own head. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, that was, that was the biggest thing. But in terms of carrying that pregnancy, I mean, it was, it was exciting. Um, Mm. It is exciting. Uh, I definitely suffered from that morning sickness. I wasn't quite vomiting, but I felt ill for at least 14 weeks. Mm. Um, and then you feel like a whole new person after that once, <laughs> once you've once you've got through that. Yeah. And I basically yeah. would have a cheeseburger <laughs> and then be like, Oh, I need an ice cream and then oh but now I need a piece of bread. You know, you go from that like <laughs> yeah, sweet to savory, yeah. sweet to savory and yes. just that yeah. wateriness in your mouth. Did you have a midwife for your care? I got recommended this midwife in Auckland and I went to see her and I just didn't really click with her. Hmm. and she was very old school which is and she'd probably delivered thousands of babies so credit to her and she was probably phenomenal at what she did but I just didn't really click with her on a personal level and Hmm. I was waiting on um, some tests and she was like oh I'll send them in the post and yet they were (laughs) available online already and I was like can't you just log in and have a look um and she didn't she wouldn't do it and I kind of went "Mm." I mean if this is just the start then it's probably not someone that will have you know any type of she might be pretty old school in the thinking um and like I said I didn't she's probably a she would she is a phenomenal midwife Mm. but she probably just wasn't right for me I really wanted to Mm. find someone that I really clicked with um, but then came the trouble of finding a midwife when you're already 10, 12 weeks pregnant. <laughs> um, yeah. There's a yeah. huge shortage, especially in Auckland. 
So I basically rang around everywhere for weeks and I couldn't find anybody. And then um, one of the birthing centres said, actually, we've got this woman who's just been through training. She um, is a little bit older than you, but she might align more with you from a like a values and, Mm. you know, open to different ways of birthing and things. So I met with her and she was just awesome. Her name was Emma. She'll probably listen to this. Um, (laughs) And we just got on like a house on fire and turns out we used to work at the same company years ago when she worked in advertising. Um, And I could just be really honest with her and she could be really honest with me and, you know, she'd be like, oh, well, it says do this, but this is what I think. And she'd had a couple of kids herself um, and she was just a really good you know, sounding support mm. board for me. So I'm glad mm. that I followed my instinct when I knew something yeah. wasn't right with the other midwife. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's something that I, you know, push to other people as well as, you know, call around and meet them or whatever, mm. Um, mm. because it is important if your gut's telling you something. And I, I kind of believe that in life and personal yeah. and as a mum and in business as well, that if it doesn't feel right, it usually isn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I found Emma and she was amazing. We had an issue with the umbilical cord where it had a single artery in it and it should usually Mm -hmm. have two and so then we had to get regular growth scans and everything and it was one of those things again where they're like baby's tracking really really big and then it really wasn't um Mm. (laughs) so I was I actually felt quite fortunate in that regards that I had all those Mm. um extra scans and things because I actually really enjoyed that you know going to see your baby and (laughs) Yeah, because some people get them, you know, at like 20 weeks and then might have yeah. one other. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Awesome. And so I had those, which was really great. And then I did – so then basically I was getting ready for birth. Um, I think I really started to think about it at about 32 weeks or something. <laughs> yeah. I kind of thought about it before, but not – not in too much detail and people were like what's your birthing plan and I was like I'll, I'll have a think about it and then um I'd heard lots about birthing at a birthing center um and I basically said to Emma you know I'd really love to try a water birth if I could and she was you know 100% open to it but she basically mm. said you know if the baby's in the right place, if all your labour's going well, everything, then we can absolutely look to do that. Um, if not, we were in zone for Middlemore. So Middlemore was where I was going to be um, if I wasn't in the birthing centre uh, out in Howick. And then um, so that's kind of what I had roughly planned. And I think I know a lot of first-time births, you know, have complications and, it, and it's something completely out of your control. It can, you know, even happen before you've even reached a hospital or birthing centre. So I think mm. I was probably a bit naive in that regards, knowing what I know now. Um, but I definitely went into it with that mindset that I'd love to birth in a birthing centre. And I'd done some hypnobirthing courses um, just to get my mind, you know, in the game a little bit and, and mm. practice those breathing and, you know, um, relaxation techniques which ironically I did for my first baby and then I probably actually used them in the birth of my second. So <laughs> because basically when I got to a point of birthing Levi, um, all of that was out the window and I'll come back to that. But those hypnobirthing, well, what I found in my hypnobirthing course was it was really great tools and things to learn, but 
Um, and I've said it on Pure Mama a couple of times that, you know, it's always great to have a, bit, have a plan for your birth, mm-hmm. but then also have a plan for things to not go to plan. Yeah. Um, because mentally and emotionally, that shift is huge. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got this idea in your head and then it, you know, all goes tits up, then you really mm-hmm. need to adapt and, and, and to, um, I guess, go with the flow. Otherwise, you create yeah. more, you know, tension for yourself. Yeah. So yeah. that was that. And then I think with Levi, oh, this is tough. I, oh, that's right. So I was a day off 40 weeks <laughs> or two days off 40 weeks. So um, I was starting to feel the baby lowering and um, Levi was in position and, you know, it all was kind of looking good. And then um, the same thing happened with both my births, actually, in terms of my waters breaking. So I my waters broke in bed uh, around 4 a.m. when I was lying down Um and what that feels like is that you're just wetting the bed. <laughs> yeah. um, and But even then, neither of my waters broke with a big bang or a big, like, mm. gushing at all. It just kind of trickled out. So yeah. um, you can imagine that I'm just kind of like, I just walked to the toilet and I was like, oh, <laughs> are my waters breaking or am I just yeah. wetting my pants? Like, it was really confusing. And because I hadn't had many, you know, early stages of labor signs, so um, there I was sending pictures of my underwear to my midwife being like, what do you think that is? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, she basically said, just take it easy for the day um, and go for a walk and, you know, go have a coffee and, you know, enjoy the sunshine and see if you feel anything more. So I obviously couldn't go back to sleep. I was so excited. Mm. And then I went, to St. Helia's went for a wee walk and then I started to kind of get these contractions and I was like oh again are they contractions you just don't know right you just have absolutely no idea um and again this kind of fluid was still trickling out um and so we got to about 10 or 11 o'clock at that night and it was August so it was pretty cold and I was just lying in front of the fire and and then we called the midwife and she said in the morning, because my waters had broken now for 24 hours um, and there was no signs of, you know, more intense contractions mm. or labour kicking in, in the morning we're going to need to go to hospital. So to get an antibiotic drip, I think, is what they do oh, yeah. once your yeah. waters have broken. Um, so then that kind of made the plan for us. Um, like I said, there wasn't a lot we could do. I was definitely going to follow the medical guidance there because, you know, once your waters are broken – um, you know, your baby can be open to infection or um, mm. things like that. So I was like, okay, cool. We're going to Middlemore in the morning. Again, I was so excited um, that I barely slept, which is, you know, the absolute wrong, worst thing to do. Um, so then I didn't sleep all of that night or well, not much at all. And we headed to Middlemore first thing in the morning. And then by the time I was in the car, my contractions were starting to get to that, like, Oh, having to lift myself up off the seat and just cringe a little, you know, just hold my breath a little bit. Mm. Um, so I kind of knew lots more was happening. Um, and then we got to Middlemore and then we got put in a birthing suite, but um, nothing was really happening. I was just kind of having these contractions. And um, they said, you know, you can either wait it out or we can, you know, try and get things going for you. Um, and then they said, we can give you a bit of oxytocin, which may help, you know, progress your labor. Mm. And they gave me the most 
the most, the least amount you could possibly give someone. Um, so by this point, I'd gone on the antibiotic drip. They put a heart rate monitor on baby's head just to make sure everything was fine. And I had a little bit of oxytocin. And then within like half an hour or an hour, my contractions just ramped up um, to the point where I just, I was already tired because it had been coming up oh, nearly two days where I'd mm. been in this kind of, you know, what do, what do you call it? Pre-labor? Yeah, like early labor, yeah. Early labor, yeah. Um, and then it really started to ramp up and these contractions were just overwhelmingly intense like I felt Mm. like I wanted to vomit and I didn't have any way of getting comfortable and I was just I was in excruciating pain and I was I was just I was tired and I was crying and my poor fiance at the time he just didn't know what to do and (laughs) and um you know I was like right I'll get them to check how dilated I was and if I was far along then you know maybe you can stick it out for a little bit longer um and then basically they checked how dilated it was. I think I was like two centimeters mm. and that was just soul destroying. Yeah. Um, and by this point, yeah, I hadn't really, I wasn't allowed to eat. I, you know, I was just drinking a bit of water, but mm. I was just, every time they were coming, I was, I was so nervous and so anxious about how painful it would be um, that I would just, you know, get that innate fear because it was just getting that bad. Mm. Um, because, you know, I guess it is, it is that, it is, it can be that intense, you know, and I think you can only handle that level of intensity for so long. Hmm. Um, so then I was quick to jump to say, can I have an epidural and can I have it now? <laughs> um, and luckily enough, there wasn't that many people in the birthing suite at Middlemore mm-hmm. that morning yeah. because I think they have 12 birthing suites that can be going at once, which is mm. a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the anaesthetist just came straight away. Um, and I got that epidural in, which was amazing. Um, and then basically I got to relax. Um, it really helped. And basically, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just modern medicine is amazing that you can be going through that level of pain and then go, okay, now my body's just getting this really valuable time to relax and recoup and everything. Because when you're at that point of exhaustion, it, it's just, oh, it's, I don't know. It was amazing. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, and then I actually, I was getting a little bit uncomfortable, but I said, can I roll over? And then I rolled over and the baby's heart rate dropped. Um, so they was like, okay, roll back onto your back. The doctor at this point, I don't know who was there, but they said, roll back onto your back. And I was like, okay. So I tried that. And anyway, the actual, the epidural fell out. Um, mm. Yeah. So um, we didn't know at the time, but then my contractions started ramping up again. Mm. and baby's heart rate was dropping and we didn't really know what was going on and then they rolled me over and had seen that the epidural needle had actually well not needle but you know the drip had come out um probably because I'd moved around a bit right so then I had to get it done again Mm. (laughs) okay (laughs) yeah so we had to get the epidural done again so he came back um and put it in again and I was I was still in good spirits you know um and then, so I had the epidural put in again, but I think because it was kind of like, not a double dose, but a like, I don't know what it was. It made my legs go so numb mm. um, that I couldn't even like wriggle my toe kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think that was in there, the second one, like for another four or five hours. And then basically between when I'd first had the epidural and, and 
um, about six hours later, I'd managed to dilate to the full 10 centimetres. So they were like, right, wow. let's start. Yeah, it was just amazing. I, mm. The minute my body relaxed, um, you know, I started dilating and I didn't have any more oxytocin or anything. Yeah. So there was nothing, you know, external there helping mm. me get to that point. It was just yeah. allowing my body to actually surrender mm. and relax. Yeah. And that's where um, I think epidurals can sometimes get a bad rap but I mean for me I probably wouldn't have been able to do that no I would know I wouldn't have been able to do that with the contractions I was having mm. and it would have ended in distress um for myself and the baby likely had I not had it so um and just to caveat this I my second birth I didn't have an epidural so I kind of can make that comparison a little bit mm. um but I was yeah so then by 10 centimeters they said um yep well, we can start um, tapering off that epidural so you can get ready to push um, because they want you to be able to, you know, feel, you know, where you're pushing and things. Mm. So then I pushed for a couple of hours, um, obviously still pretty tired at this point and exhausted. Um, and there's nothing quite like, you kind of think you know the right way to push, but then they start telling you to, to push <laughs> a different way. Yeah, like yeah. you're going to the toilet and it's a really weird feeling, mm. um, especially when you don't have all the feeling from the epidural and you don't really know where to – I remember lying there being like, I don't really know if I'm using the right muscles here kind of mm. thing, but I was trying everything and it took a couple of hours. Um, and then basically they said, oh, look, it's probably time. They could see baby's head, but um, Levi had a big head. <laughs> Lucky me. <laughs> yeah. Um and they said we can see him but he's just not he's just not moving past that crown point um and you just we're not getting him out kind of thing so we're gonna have to go and have a c-section and so they got me to sign my life away um on that and then I basically I basically had to make the suggestion to try tools um you know to try a forcep or a vontus Mm. um I didn't really get offered that which I thought was kind of strange they kind mm. of just went straight to c-section and I was like well you can see baby's head so let's try something else yeah um but I think there was a miscommunication because they kept saying let's go up to theater let's go up to theater um but they actually you know I thought that meant c-section because mm. you know, you're going in for an operation but I think the doctor who usually uses the tools was up in theater so really uh-huh. they were just sending me up to theater to to potentially try that but I didn't know that so I was very confused and disorientated and starting to get really emotional because I mm. I didn't really know what I was going into next. And, yeah, yeah I was just so exhausted. Mm. Um, but basically when I went up to theatre, I had some a little bit more of the epidural um, just because it had pretty much worn off. And he basically said, we're going to try a Vontus first and I need you to give me my, your biggest push. Mm. Um, and I'd managed to, you know, recoup and get a bit of energy by then. So... I think on my second push, he came out um, with a bit of help from the Vontus, and that was that. Mm. Um, and that was about 10 o'clock at night by that point. So yeah. I think I'd gone into early labour on the Wednesday morning, Wednesday after, Wednesday night maybe, and then yeah. this was baby born on Friday night. Oh, so so long, right? It sounds really similar to my first and second, actually. <laughs> um, oh, does it? That that early, like really long early labor stage. Um, yeah, 
yeah, it can be so exhausting and you feel like you've just got nothing left in the tank by the time you get to like the business end. <laughs> yeah. And you, you, yeah. you, you give it all you've got, but mm. you just don't know. And then I had my mum there and my sister there um, and they were great, but kind of annoying yeah. at, at times too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because then you get all these people talking, yeah. you know, the doctors talking and the midwives and everybody kind of, you know, and then you have mm. your, your husband or your fiance or your partner there as well. And, they have an opinion and it kind of got a bit overwhelming. So yeah, um, yeah. for I actually decided after that birth that for my second one, I really just wanted my partner there. Yeah. Um, some people, you know, don't mind having extra people, but um, I kind of decided after that one that that was a bit much for me. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, a learning curve. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. And was he fine when he was born? Like did they pop him up on your chest when he was born and – what sort of happened after he was um, delivered? Yeah, um, they popped him straight on my chest. I, and then they basically took him away to do the to do the measurements and yeah, you know the fallback test and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I remember looking at him, being like, "Oh my god, that's so like that's so puffy and blue and you know <laughs> yeah. everything else," and you're kind of like, "Whoa!" But then the emotional adrenaline kicks in and Mm. you just think wow that's my baby um and then basically we went back to our our room in Middlemore um which it was 11 o'clock at night by this point and they tried to kick um tried to kick Rich out my fiance (laughs) and we just weren't having a bar of it (laughs) Mm. um we were like no way he's not going home um and then just really put our foot down and then there was a couple, and I'm sure a lot of women do this, and some some may win the battle, some may some may not. But we were he he was just like, nah, I'm not going home. I'll sleep on mm. this cold hard floor, but I'm not going home. She's exhausted, and there's a baby in here, so mm. um, and our baby, so I'm I'm not leaving. Yeah. And then I think that was actually when when they were saying, oh, when they got me to sign the documentation for the C-section, um, they actually told me if you have a C-section your partner will have to go home tonight. Mm. Um, and I was just like, sorry, what is that? Mm. How archaic is that? So you mm. so you have a C-section of all things, this major, <laughs> major surgery, and you have this yeah. baby, yeah. and then you go into this um, post-birthing ward and your partner has to go home. I was seriously yeah. like, what the fuck is that? It's just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Um, him of all people is, you know, he was one person I wanted. And the mm. C-section part, actually, you know, the, the surgery and all of that wasn't the main thing I was concerned about at the time. I was just like, let's get this baby out safe and healthy. Yeah. But then the thought yeah. of having to take the father away I and know. for me yeah. to not have that support was just like, yeah. yeah, that was probably one of the things I got the most upset about. Um, mm. And... Yeah, so then we managed to keep him in, and I think one of the nurses gave him a pillow to sleep on the floor with. <laughs> um, but it was a bit—it's a bit sad, and I get why they do it. They say, you know, there is risks potentially having lots of men in the maternity ward and all these mm. other things, which are horrific to think about. But um, it does make that post-birth experience quite—I don't know—it's—it's it's intense enough as it is, let alone not mm. having a support person there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then basically that just made me want to get out of hospital as quick as possible because, you know, mm. you could see that the hospital system wasn't necessarily designed yeah. for the post-birth experience. And yeah. Um, 
I think at different hospitals we'll have different levels of thing or mm. Auckland and you can go to Auckland birth care and things. But the birth care out in East Auckland was all full. So I didn't even have that option. Mm. Um, but then we didn't really feel very welcome at the hospital either um, yeah. as a family. And also because like my family couldn't come and go either. So it was really, yeah, we just wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. Um, yeah. So we had all our, our, our checks and balances and ticks and everything done and got the clearance to go home. So we went home that afternoon. But mm. in hindsight, in my second birth, we ended up staying in, in Niku. Um, I actually found the hospital stay was really beneficial. Yeah, so yeah. it was, it was, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a weird one, especially being a first time mum and leaving the hospital, you know, mm-hmm. within 24 hours of giving birth. I felt like that's what I wanted to do, but mm. I think had I been at a different hospital and a different birth care, I probably would have wanted mm. to stay to get that extra support. Yeah, um, it's so tough, isn't it? It's like I often think this because I had Jai and Skibu for a week before we went home, and like mm. that, I learned so much from those nurses and like just the people that were around. I can't even imagine what it would have been like had I have gone home without all of that knowledge and. Like, I think you get a lot of that from birth care as well. So I, I'm so on board with the, like, the birth care model if it's oh. available. I just wish there was more of them, like. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I actually really wanted to write an article for our website on our blog about the benefits mm. of NICU. Like, nobody wants yeah. to be there. No. But if you are in a position where birth care isn't an option um, and you are unfortunate enough to end up in NICU, there is mm. some, like, beautiful plus sides to yeah. it. Yeah. And... Yeah. Um, I learned so much too, like about mm. baby's oxygen rate and feeding and yeah. oh, just everything. And you got to learn about all of these different things. And yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was just for us. Plus it was that time to be like, oh, I don't have to cook and I don't have to clean mm. and I don't have to, mm. you know, worry about all of this stuff. You just kind of felt looked after all you had to do was shower and look after your baby mm. really. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But yeah, so I went home the next day. Um, and then our midwife is amazing. She kind of came by every couple of days and I guess that fourth trimester for me with Levi, my body was physically like exhausted. Mm. So I was really, you know, we would have our phones going in the night where I would be sitting in the chair. Um, we had a really nice breastfeeding chair. I'd be sitting in the chair with Levi feeding him, you know, at all Mm. hours. And then I would actually call Rich and say, can you please come help me out of the chair? Yeah, um, yeah. because in that first week I couldn't really like get up to standing very easily holding a baby and yeah. that wasn't and I can't even imagine how tough it is for people that have c-sections but mm. you know that was just after laboring for two days um, yeah. you know your body was just absolutely exhausted mm. um, whereas after my second birth I could walk within the hour <laughs> mm. yeah um, because it was it was a it was it was a little bit quicker but it wasn't you know quite as intense yeah um, so it just, for me, my births have been, you know, totally opposite. Mm. Um, but what was I going to say? Yeah, that first, first fourth trimester was oh, just messy as it always is. I mm. think you're just, you're just learning how it all goes, but you're so, I don't know. It's just the most magical, amazing time. Mm. Um, and I think I got really emotional on like day three or day four. I just remember yeah. sitting there. Levi was wrapped in a towel and I just looked at his face and I was like, he's so perfect. And I just <laughs> love him so much. Yeah, yeah. So that was really, you know, there's just nothing, nothing can um, prepare you for that kind of love and that mm. feeling of completeness and 
and just in awe of what your body's just done and the fact that that baby was inside of you and now it's out is just mm. mind-blowing. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and now he's crazy. three and a half years old, and no, crazy <laughs> a little sass pants. So yeah, um... yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. So, yeah. And so, did you like in terms of <laughs> feeding and um, you know, like your mental health postpartum, and what did that side of the fourth trimester look like for you with Levi? Oh, um, so he was a real gut, and my milk supply wasn't great. Mm-hmm. Um, in hindsight, I probably didn't. I didn't, I probably wasn't patient enough with myself Mm. um, because, and, and my midwife had said, you know, your baby will sleep for, you know, one and a half to two hours at a time. And then you do a 40 minute wake time or a 20 minute wake time or whatever it was. Mm. And my baby was just not doing that. It was, he was cluster feeding and he would feed and then fall asleep on the boob and then wake up six minutes later to feed again. And then he'd just have a couple more sucks and go back to sleep. So, I think after a week of that, I was just, and obviously after birth, I was just really utterly exhausted. And I don't mm. know why, but I, you know, at the very end of your pregnancy, you're like, oh, get this baby out of me so I can have a break. Like mentally you're like, yeah. oh, my body's going to get this like break. Yeah. And then I don't know what, what the hell I was thinking because that first week is just not a break at all, <laughs> depending on how your birth's gone. And yeah. it just takes it to a whole new level where you're struggling with your body recovering, but then. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss also the feeding um so we introduced and I was pumping as well just trying to get my milk supply up Mm. um but then we introduced some goats formula I think around week two um so then I kind of mixed fed but I was probably 80% breastfeeding and then 20% formula um and I was really happy with that because I I struggled to sleep at the best of times. Like I've, mm. I've had really bad issues around, um, you know, switching off at the end of the day. I know a lot of people struggle with that, but I'd really suffered with that. And I think for me, I would get anxious about when the baby would wake next. Mm. And so that anxiety would keep me up. And then yeah. I would be like, oh, my God, I've only got 20 minutes left to sleep. Holy shit, I haven't slept mm. at all. How am I yeah. going to feel good again? And then he'd be up for, you know, an hour and then I'd go, okay, he's gone back down, but what if he only sleeps for 40 minutes? I can't get mm. to sleep in 40 minutes. So then this, like, you know, negative self-talk and this perpetuating cycle of being overtired and stressing yeah. about wake windows and all of that kept me yeah. exhausted. Mm. Um, and the formula at least gave Rich an opportunity so he could take one of the feeds and I would kind of know that I had three hours between yes. what yeah. I needed to do which was really important for my mental health. Yeah, um, yeah. And then, yeah, honestly, Levi just would, he was just drinking and drinking and drinking or eating so much. And I was just, there was no way I could keep up. Mm. And I would, and I was trying to pump and I was using, you know, different types of pumps and stuff. But it is just, by the time you're washing them and labeling mm. them and then trying to eat yourself and all of this other stuff, it's, it's a lot sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. And some people have, 
you know, don't have those issues and some people have worse, but you kind of mm. just, you know, have to deal with the cards you're given. And, and for yeah. me, putting formula into it was um, really good for my mental health. Yeah. Um, and I, I know I tried the best I could at the time. Mm. Um, so that was what was important to me. And then I think yeah. I had my sister and she'd had, she'd had a baby before. So she was kind of the person I'd ask about things. You know, or say, oh, my milk supply really low. We'd compare milk supply and I'd be like, oh, mine's definitely lower. So I'd kind of get it in my head, you know. Um, But I really found that it's really important for people to, you know, at least have someone to ask those questions because you often don't really know what's good or Mm. what's bad or not even that there is a bad. But, yeah, it's really hard to, you know, it's really hard to get through it sometimes yeah um, it is for sure because some people show you that they've got like a whole fridge full of p- pumped milk I like, know what? yeah <laughs> um yeah. and that can make you feel like a little bit like oh why is my yeah. body not doing that or you just mm. thought that it was your given right that your body would do that and it didn't so that yeah. can be hard yeah um but then yeah once I got into the swing of things it was it was all good I my fiance was working really long hours so he was working on Waiheke building and so he'd have to get up at like 5.30 every day and he'd be mm. out the door by 6 and he'd be back yeah. at 6 every night. Um, and the area we lived in didn't have like a huge amount of really nice places to walk or anything mm. like that. So I found that personally quite isolating. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it could be 11 a.m. in the morning and I was exhausted and thinking, oh, my God, I've, I've still got seven, eight hours to go before my, mm. before Rich gets home, yeah. um, which was a big part of why we moved from Auckland down to Papamoa, just for mm. lifestyle reasons. But, you know, yeah. I remember that. And I don't – I think for that first year, I don't have – I found – I look back on it thinking, you know, I absolutely adored and loved my baby, but I found that first year really tough. Mm. Um and I don't necessarily look back on that going, oh, I'd want to do that again in the situation mm. that I was in. I'm proud yeah. of myself to have done it. But, yeah, if I could have changed things then going, okay, you know, mm. what, is this the best place to live or is this what I want to do, then I probably wouldn't. But, you know, at the same time, we were, we were hustling like everybody else. And when you're mm. down to one income and, and all that, it's, it's, it is, you know, you do have to work and you do have to adapt. And yeah. um, we did what we needed to do, right? Yeah, yeah, you do in the end, but that doesn't make it easy, right? I can nah. yeah, definitely relate. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, awesome. And so, obviously, we know that you've got little Harper um, as well, in addition to your family. So, mm-hmm. did you? Was it like a conscious decision to try and fall pregnant, or was it we like us and it was a happy surprise? What did mm-hmm. that, that pregnancy journey look like for you? Um, so it kind of had to be a conscious decision because I had, mm. um, I had cop- the copper IUD in as oh, my yeah. contraception. So yeah. you obviously have to go get that taken out. Um, I had that put in after I had given birth to Levi probably a couple of months after. And then, so we decided, yep, yeah, it's probably time to start trying for baby number two. Yeah. Um, and there was no major, I mean, I think that took four or five months, um, mm-hmm. you know which I think can be pretty standard. Um, And then in terms of actually falling pregnant, there was no, there was no hiccups or no, nothing like the first time. Um, Again, I was still a bit apprehensive because of that. And then, um, and then 
yeah, that pregnancy, ugh, then I think, I think that pregnancy, the beginning of it was a lot harder for me. I felt a lot mm. more sick. Um, and the tiredness is what really nailed me that second time. And I think because you have a toddler, it's like next level as well. Yeah. Um, and I would go to bed, have 12 hours sleep. I'd get up at 8am in the morning and by 9.30 I'd need a nap. And that was just exhausting because you yeah. start to feel, you start to feel a little bit down about it. And Rich was, Rich would say to me, well, once we actually got out the other side, he was like, that was not fun at all. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and when you, when you operate as a team and you're parenting a toddler to have one person kind of operating at like 40% is just no mm-hmm. fun at all. Um, and because we do have a lot of laughs and a lot of fun in our house that taking that out was, I was just kind of slow and tired and yeah. you know, a little bit, you get a little bit sad because you're just, yeah. you're just flat. Um, and that lasted for about 16 weeks. So, um, I was, yeah, I think that lasted, that sickness and tiredness lasted a lot longer. Mm. Um, I can't remember it is when you do the GD test, the gestational diabetes test again, but I did that and I had gestational yeah. diabetes again. Um, but yeah, it was really interesting because I, I posted a lot about this and I had so many questions about it. Cause again, I think people get really apprehensive about it. Mm. Um, but if you can just manage it with diet, then it's basically just like a good diet. It's just, yeah. don't eat too many refined carbs. Don't eat, uh, you know, a whole lot of sugar at, at mm. like one sitting or, um, you know, eat lots of whole foods and eat lots of fruit and vegetables and, you know, things that we should probably mm. all do anyway, but that we don't. So <laughs> yeah. Um, Were you having to like do you check your blood sugar levels often with gestational diabetes, or what did that look like? Um, for my first pregnancy, I did for the first couple of weeks um, because I wanted to see when it would spike. Mm. Um, but generally, I think you have to start worrying when your when your blood sugars start spiking above the fifteen to eighteen mark. Yeah. Um, and mine were never spiking above nine, mm-hmm. so. I think I very mildly had it. And then I yeah. actually got the gestational diabetes for Harper as well. And then she was like, are you going to monitor this? And I was like, nah, I'm actually not. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. I think I did like three pricks and I think I tested it after eating like a really huge bowl of like creamy pasta. And yeah. I checked it like 45 minutes an hour later and it was still only 9.5. And I was like, mm. oh, and I had a magnum. I think I did like a double whammy <laughs> just to really yeah. see like, how much my blood sugar would rise and it didn't hit it didn't go to the extreme so then basically mm. I was like look I'll check it again in a month but mm-hmm. it really mm-hmm. didn't it didn't take over my life or my thoughts like it did the first time yeah. um but I think that applies you know in second pregnancies and second children in general mm. um yeah. and then that pregnancy um it was pretty tough actually because I got I had the flu for like six weeks and I just couldn't mm-hmm. kick it. Yeah. And then the day, n- not a word of a lie, the day that I finally came right, I was like, yes, I'm back to myself. My fiance comes home and he's like, babe, I feel sick. I'm, I just vomited mm-hmm. out my car window. And I was like, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. And then mm. that day we all got gastro. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> And I think I was like 34 or 35 weeks pregnant. Nah. Like, you have to be kidding me. Oh, God. Um, and then the week after, the week after I got COVID. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what the so heck? It was like, there was this sweet spot between maybe like 20 and 24 weeks where I had, you know, where I felt good. 
Mm. Um, but the whole pregnancy was really tough between mm, feeling sick, awful. feeling tired, the flu, like a genuine bad mm. flu, um, gastro, you know, COVID, and I had really bad pelvic girdle pain. So I was kind of mm. having to, you know, limit how much impact, you know, walking I was doing. And I wasn't doing a lot. Like I'm not a super fit, active mm. person. But, like, you know, you try to do what you can. I was walking yeah, the dog, yeah. and, you know. But anyway, I, I um, yeah, it was actually a – in terms of that whole pregnancy, I was like, that was a long nine months, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then I went into labor with Harper a very similar way. My waters broke in the middle of the night. Um, I was 38 weeks pregnant. I could mm-hmm. feel I was walking around the bathier down here that day before. Um, and I was like, I can feel this baby's head in my pelvis. Like I can, <laughs> yeah. I just felt different. And I was like, yeah. I could feel this when I was walking. So and then I actually went into – and my waters broke the same way. But because, you know, everyone says, oh, your second birth, it might take two hours. You could be giving birth in the car kind of thing. Hmm. I kind of went, oh, okay. So my waters broke, but it was doing the same thing. So I was like, mm, maybe this will actually take a little bit longer. So I actually went back to sleep, slept in. Um, I was just – I was so excited, especially because it was a girl. And I was like, I get to meet my little girl. I was so mm-hmm. excited about that. And so – rang my midwife, um, Carmen, and she was like, cool, you just cruise for the day and let me know how you're going. And then it was the most beautiful day and um, we took Levi to my parents' place because, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen and he didn't really know what was going on. And then we went for a beautiful walk along the beach and then we went and got some pies for lunch that were just delicious and – got some snacks for the hospital, finished packing the hospital bag and Carmen then said, well, it was about three o'clock by this point. And she was like, how are your contractions? And by this point they were probably like half an hour apart. And she was like, okay, cool. Well, let's meet at the hospital at seven and see, you know, see how you're going. We can Mm -hmm. see how, how far along you are and what your contractions are like and, and everything like that. So we basically, you know, set off, um, it was getting to like four thirty, five o'clock and I was like, oh, my contractions are wrapping up now. I'd been kind of sitting on the Swiss ball, but honestly, we've just been taking it easy, easy all day and it was so yeah. beautiful. And then, um, we were on our way to the hospital and I think my contractions were like five, six minutes apart by this point. And then Rich was like, I'm real hungry. I'm really hungry, babe. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, are you serious? <laughs> and so... He was like, I just need to stop and get something to eat. And I was like, can you get McDonald's? And he was like, no, I'm not getting McDonald's. Didn't like McDonald's. And he was like, I want, I'd like, can we stop and get Burger Fuel? And I was like, okay, well, what's that? Like an extra five minutes, you know? Hmm. So we stopped and got Burger Fuel and they made a video of me in the car. And I was like recording my contractions and they were getting down to like three minutes by this point. And I was like, oh, this is dangerous. Anyway, hmm. we got to the hospital and I was one of those people that was like, there's, you know, there's the, the seating for the public, like along the aisles. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm just going to take a break, contraction. And then we get to the door and I'd just be leaning across the wall, being like, oh, contraction. And it was really, <laughs> you know, it was really ramping up. So I was like, okay, cool. We're going to have this baby soon. Carmen gets there about 10 minutes later and she was like, okay, we're not leaving this hospital. We're having this baby. Um, and that was about seven o'clock. And so everything was still kind of bearable then. Um, and I think this is when I started to, to refresh what I'd learned in my hypnobirthing from, mm. from the first time around being really silent and really like mindful of your breathing during the contractions. Mm. Um, Rich actually went to the car and Carmen was going to get some things for, 
the birthing room and I was in the in the birthing suite on my own and um we had the most beautiful music and it was just really quiet and nice and Carmen had given me like a really nice back massage and we had you know a diffuser and it was just beautiful she'd put the bath on and everything and mm. anyway they'd left and my contractions were ramping up and I and I really just thought okay I'm gonna just try breathe through these and just stay really quiet and still and just kind of internalize the energy a bit mm. and for me that worked a lot better than trying to like reach and grab onto Rich's hand and then like yeah. you know voice my pain or anything yeah and so I just had like learned a bit more about meditation and, and doing those kind of things which really helped me yeah. yeah um and then I mean we'd been in the birthing suite for maybe an hour and then everything was fine it's every everything was absolutely fine like baby's heart rate was fine there was no signs of any complications so um I basically said to Carmen I feel like I need a push and she was mm. like all right we're gonna roll with that feeling we're gonna have a baby soon um and then so I just had gas um I was biting down so hard on that <laughs> bloody gas mouthpiece yeah. that I thought I was gonna break it um, <laughs> yeah. but that's where I was like exerting my energy or my pain mm. was on that and just mm. kind of and I was actually on my side um by this point when I needed to push so I was lying on my side holding Rich's hand and biting that and I just remember I could feel everything but I just remember going to like my eyes were shut and all I saw was white. Like I saw this kind of white, everything just went like that. You know, when you shut your eyes and you get those mm. bright little things in your eyes, well, it all just went white. And I was yeah. like, that's how much I was like the pressure or what, what I was putting into it. And it was quite a mesmerizing experience. It wasn't, mm. it wasn't something I hated. Yeah. It was just that level of intensity. Yeah. Um, Rich even said to me after the birth that, you know, as a man, he'll never get to experience that, not birthing, mm. but that level of like doing something that's bigger than yourself um, mm. with your own body, you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah. And then I pushed her out. Um, I could feel her head come out and then Carmen got me to touch her head, which is, you know, I think is such a cool thing. I didn't do that mm. with Levi. Um, and then we did a couple more pushes and I pushed Harper out um, and then Carmen put her straight on my, straight on my chest um, come and put her straight on my chest and I think within oh, 10 seconds she realised something wasn't right yeah um, oh see I'm going to cry <laughs> um, me too probably <laughs> oh, and then um, Harper was really really blue um, and they went and put her on the mat and they, they didn't tell me this at the time mm. Um, but they were like, "Oh, we just need to do some checks, rah, 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 rah. So they put her on the, um, they put her on the, oh, I don't even know what it is. It's a little mattress thing, and put an oxygen thing on her on her face. Um, and Carmen later told me that that was the bluest baby she'd ever seen mm-hmm. um, alive. So um, something was really wrong. And by this point, I was still like running off on this adrenaline that I'd just given yeah. birth naturally, and I'd felt it all, and it was kind of this yeah. amazing experience and. I knew I had to get the placenta out, but I, I just thought, you know, babies go to NICU all the time. Like this is, this is pretty mm. normal, you know, um, what could it be? You know, there might be some fluid in her lungs or, you know, yeah. you hear a lot about these things and, and Rich had seen her, um, as, as she was. And I'm really actually quite grateful that I don't, I don't remember that. I don't, mm-hmm. I didn't see her lying on the table. 
Um, but then they stri- took her straight to Niku and I was kind of none the wiser, but just kind of being like, okay, I want to go and see her. I want to go and see mm-hmm. her. So then I got, I can't remember what it is, but you get that injection to birth the placenta. Yes. Um, and I birthed the placenta and then, I don't know, within 10 minutes I had walked down to Niku. So it was all pretty like, I was up and walking. I was mm. probably, probably running on adrenaline. Um, and then we walked through Niku and um, Harper's in, you know, one of those clear things. Yeah. Like um, baskets, not baskets, but, you know, clear yeah. baby things in the hospital. And there was, I don't know, four or five people around her and um, a pediatrician as well. Um, and then he basically said, okay, your baby has lost a lot of blood um, and something's gone wrong, but we don't know quite what it is yet, but mm. we're going to need to give your baby an emergency blood transfusion. And I was like, okay. Um, and I didn't really, really realise how much blood she'd lost, um, but it turns out she'd lost 70% of her wow. entire body. Yeah, They basically... Luckily, he was available because basically what they have to do is they have to go find um, blood, you know, frozen blood, or not frozen, but older blood, mm. um, and it was adult's blood, um, and they basically put a needle into the umbilical cord where the vein is to take it back mm. to the heart, mm-hmm. and then um, basically they gave her, you know, a bag of blood, um, and within seconds, her body went like a, a nicer colour, it went more ready. Mm. Um, and at this point, keeping in mind, they still don't really know what's going on. They just yeah. she lost a lot of blood. Yeah. And then we're basically sitting down and she's not moving a lot, but she's, you know, her reflexes seem pretty good, um, you know, in terms of her fallback and stuff. And she's kind of, you know, mildly awake. And he basically came and sat down with us and she was, you know, just on her oxygen machine and, you know, she just had this blood transfusion, which was huge for anybody, mm. let alone a brand new baby. And, um, and then he said, I think you've had what's called a fetal maternal hemorrhage um, or you've had a placental abruption. Um, and now I didn't realise at the time, but those are two quite different things. So mm. placental abruptions can be quite um, quite common and basically, you know, your placenta can rupture and they can lose the blood that way. Yeah. What I'd had is called a fetal maternal hemorrhage, which is when the placenta is still attached to the uterus for some reason, the baby's blood starts going into your blood. Right. And it must have happened right on birth um, because there was no signs of complications even in the mm. minutes up to birth. So my birth was really quick from me being mm. like five centimetres to getting the baby out. So they think, you know, my body must have known something wasn't mm. quite right mm. um, and then just wanted to get her out real quick. So I just yeah. thank Mother Nature for that. Yeah. Um, and then... Basically, he came down, and we're still all processing this minute by minute, right? Like, I'm not, mm. I'm not screaming. Like, I can see my baby; she's yeah. alive. Her colours yeah. come back, so I'm just positively thinking, you know. Mm. And then he comes up and he says, "Okay, so what's happened? But she's lost a lot of oxygen. She's lost a lot of blood, um, and now we just need to test for brain damage." And I think that for me was the 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 kick mm. in the guts moment. The real like whole you know our worlds can change forever now and I yeah. and I didn't really know what that had meant or how that was going to yeah. go um I bloody wish he'd just checked for brain damage and then told me he'd checked yeah. for brain damage because yeah. basically the check was I'm going to go put my finger in her mouth and if she sucks she's fine 
Right. <laughs> so it was like this simple little test hmm. um, that he should have just done and then mm-hmm. come up to me and been like, we checked for brain damage and there was none mm-hmm. and I wouldn't have mm-hmm. had this like 10 minute wait. Yeah. And then he basically said, now we're going to check for brain damage and didn't do it immediately. So we're just sitting there for like 20 minutes, just freaking the fuck out. Like, mm. what is going on? Where are we going tonight? Because they were like, we're probably going to have to fly you to Waikato. Um, you know, all of this other stuff. We need to mm. check for brain damage. And it all started to get quite overwhelming. Um, but then he went and did, and then we were standing around where she was. And he put his finger in her mouth and then she sucked. And he was like, right, no brain damage. And we were like, oh, come on. Like, mm. could you have could you have made that process just a little mm. bit more but he was very methodical in the way he worked. He had to tell you the risks and tell you what he was doing. So I, I completely yeah. appreciate from a doctor's point of view why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but then that was just the biggest sigh of relief for mm. me um, yeah. because, yeah, that would just add a whole other layer of complexity that I mm. definitely hadn't prepared for. Yeah. Um, and then he said the next thing we need to do is heart scans, um, again, losing all that oxygen. Mm-hmm. So within the next 12 hours, they did like, I think it was like 92, they got 92 scans that they had to check Wow. Um, and send off to a specialist, but that all came back, you know, great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just positive news after positive news after positive news. So we were, we were just, oh, just like overwhelmed and relieved mm-hmm. and just, yeah. it was just, it was crazy because I didn't. I get emotional more looking back on it than mm. what I felt at the time. At the time, yeah. you're just in instinct mode with, with yeah. is my baby alive? Is my baby breathing? Am I yeah. okay? Yeah. Just those basic, basic things. And then it wasn't until we got the report that said she'd lost 70% of her blood mm. that we actually realized how severe it was. Yeah. Um, and they said we were actually really lucky because Harper and I had the same blood type. So our antibodies didn't try to attack each other mm, yeah which was another layer to it that I obviously didn't think of mm. um and the way they could tell she'd lost 70 percent of her blood was they looked at per 100 mils of mine or whatever it was or 10 mils what percentage was her blood and then yeah. they could work out how much blood had actually come out of her entire body um crazy yeah so it's just it's just crazy but Again, just so thankful that we were where we were. Mm. Um, I just had the most beautiful labor, the most beautiful birthing experience mm. that I ever could have wished for. Um, and it was just, I still am really conflicted about it because it's such a negative mm. thing straight after. But the actual birth was really amazing and I felt really comfortable where I was. And I, I don't believe anything bad happened to me because I was in the hospital or anything else like yeah. that. Like I felt yeah. safe. I felt good. My midwife was incredible. She acted so fast. The doctors mm. were incredible. Um, but the actual, you know, what happened to Harper is you can't quite fathom it. And mm. not that you have to forgive yourself, but you you kind of, you, oh, yeah, and it's, it's, just a, it's just a conflict when you have yeah. a really great birth mm. um, and then not a perfect, I want to say not a perfect baby, not but not a perfect baby right from the outset. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And so, yeah, then we basically for three days, I couldn't, I wasn't even allowed to hug her. She was just on, um, she had quite bad jaundice, especially from the blood. Yeah. Um, so she was on those blue light mats and under blue lights. and She had, you know, an eye mask on. She had tubes up her nose. She had mm-hmm. 
she was feeding through a tube, everything. Um, yeah. And the most surreal part about it was because I was pumping and feeding her through the tube, I would basically pump enough and then the, the nurses were incredible. They would be like, all right, we'll see you in six hours. You go sleep. We'll feed your baby because, mm-hmm. you know, she was sleeping. She didn't, she didn't need to lie on me or yeah. feed. She yeah. was just recovering. Um, so it was this really weird thing where I, I went back downstairs to my bed and I was sharing a room. Um, and I just got to have these like six hour sleeps to recover mm. with this yeah. newborn, um, which was again, a weird blessing, horrible mm. reason to be there, but yeah. I managed yeah. to, my body physically felt pretty good. And then mm. I was actually able to get the sleep. Um, I was a bit anxious leaving her, but then I was like, no, this is the right thing to do. And then mm. I could get up and go and pump and stuff. So it wasn't until like day or three or four where she came or maybe even later, I can't remember before she got, you know, the tubes started coming out and she could practice, you know, breastfeeding and things. Um, but then we had an amazing lactation consultant and just the staff in Niku were incredible. Like mm. they, because they're all on rotational shifts, you get to meet lots of them and just some you really click with. And we had this one woman or a couple actually, but one of the, one of the women, she'd had four kids herself. Um, and she was just so helpful and so supportive mm. and all of those things that you need when a time like that. Yeah. Um, and then one of them even might've let Rich like stay overnight and sneak in and <laughs> our own private room. And, you know, they were just really good people. Yeah. And yeah. I think we were in Niku for 11 days in, in total before we got the all clear. Mm. Um, and that was really hard being away from our toddler. Yeah. Um, but then I actually talked to an old friend of mine and she said, your toddler has had you on his own for nearly mm. two and a half years. This is the, this is the one time that you're going to get alone with Harper. Like yeah. forgive, forgive yourself for not being mm. there for both of them. She needs yeah. you more right now. Yeah. Um, and that really hit home with me that it's hard, but he had had me a lot, you know, to himself mm. for two and a half mm. years and she needed me right then and there. So that's what I was going to yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, it was just, we spent a copious amount of money on Uber Eats in the hospital. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Started to do little walks across to the cafe and it was during COVID, so people couldn't really visit us, but I was kind of, I didn't mind that. Um, mm. The days were actually really just really bliss, like really nice. We had a really nice, um, they moved us into our own room um, and then we had that space with Harper and we were really well looked after and. Yeah, I actually, I actually didn't mind it at all. The staff are incredible. We had all the support in the world for breastfeeding and everything else, and um, we just had to, we had to keep track of her heart rate and mm. her blood oxygen levels and all those other things. And so you got a lot of beeping machines. But again, you kind of just get into the swing of things, and yeah. it was pretty, it was, it was pretty crazy now to look back on. But um, yeah. she is thriving now. She's like any other ten-month-old baby. With- <laughs> four teeth coming through and trying to keep up with her bigger brother and um <laughs> we had lots of checks in that first that fourth trimester mm. um just to make sure she was all good and at one point we had to bring this really annoying blood oxygen machine home <laughs> to try and monitor her levels overnight and it was just absolute disaster oh, God. um yeah. and so yeah once we got the all clear that she was all good um yeah we we basically just got on with it and I think I do this and I, um, some people may have seen the other day, but I actually had a, a choking, a choking incident with Harper yes. a couple yeah. of weeks ago, which was horrific. Mm. Um, 
But once these things have passed and if everything's good, then I kind of just park it Hmm. and move on with my life. Not that I haven't forgotten about it, but I don't dwell on those things because, Mm -hmm. you know, you start pulling at the what ifs or you start, Mm -hmm. you know, reliving those memories and, and it's, I don't think it's that helpful. Um, and your brain, you know, is if you constantly think about the same thing over and over and over again, you strengthen that memory and that thought and those connections in your, in your brainwaves. And I think if you just go, yep, that happened. It was awful. I can kind of get upset about it in my moments, but otherwise I just park it and focus on all the great things. Um, Otherwise, it'll consume you. Mm. And a lot of women have been through a lot worse. Um, and I actually had, because I shared the journey on social media, um, there was about oh, six or 7,000 people kind of following along. Mm. I probably had over a 1,000 messages, um, you know, which was crazy. Yeah. And then, you know, some people, I think one person or two people in those 1,000 had actually lost a baby to exactly what I had had, mm. um, yeah. which just made us burst into tears when people would tell yeah. us things like that. So yeah. it was a, it was a, it was a, we feel lucky moment, but then yeah. also we were so close to not yeah. having, um, yeah. not having Harper. So yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, on a, on a thin wire really. Mm. Um, but then I guess having a second baby um, for me talking about, you know, if you go back to that mental health thing and, and having a second baby, I, she was, oh, well, I was a lot more relaxed and mm. I think in turn she was a lot more relaxed and I don't think you could say to a per- first-time mum, oh, we'll just be relaxed and your baby will be yeah. relaxed because you actually yeah. just get that with experience um, and there's nothing that will just give that to you first time round. Um, mm. There's so much learning and we just really cruised with her. Like I was like, if you want to sleep on me, that's fine. Yeah. We didn't we put any expectations around routines or feeding or anything. I really just um, took the time to like sit on the couch and drink. I felt like I needed so much water in those couple of weeks after giving birth um, that I would just sit on the couch, drink so much water, just pump and feed and pump and feed. I didn't put any pressure on myself like I did that first time. Um, And then we actually didn't introduce – we introduced the bottle really early because I like having that option of of the partner feeding your baby Mm. Um, in the middle of the night even with breast milk or formula but I was pumping for the first eight weeks and we were doing um I was doing you know 80% of the feeds but again Rich would come in and do a couple of the feeds as well so we just had that flexibility um and by this point we'd also moved down to Papamoa so Rich wasn't working as long hours I had my family just around the corner that were helping a lot um and yeah I think I really really enjoyed those first six months or even now I'm still really enjoying it at 10 months. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I think for that first baby, like I said, it just, the actual time was really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas now I actually just actually love it. And I just yeah. take it for every moment that it is because, mm-hmm. you know, she is, she's just started crawling and boosting around and things. Mm-hmm. And, and you just kind of go, Oh, that's such, that's just magic. Yeah, and it almost makes me want to have another one, but they're not really. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I've been. Oh, I'm the same. I'm like, oh, sometimes things are so nice, and you're like, oh, I could totally do this again. And then other times, I'm like, fuck, no, I'm never ever ever having another. Baby. Oh, totally right. It's um, yeah. and but for me, even the pregnancy side of it, I was like, mm-hmm. I said, it was a really long nine months, and 
with the complications that I'd had between two pregnancies, two babies, two mm. different births. Yeah. I just don't know what cards I'd get given next and it just mm. makes me a bit nervous. Yeah. Um, I do love aspects of being pregnant. I, um, Like I said, I love my second birth. I love, I love both my babies to death, but mm. I just... Yeah, sometimes going round three is just a little bit, might be a little bit much for me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what about your, like, your business? And obviously that's grown so much in the last three, three or so years. Yeah. Um, How do you, like, what does life look like for you with two kids and a business that's, like, booming and growing? And, yeah, I'd love to know um, how you're sort of juggling it all. I would say I just I honestly because I love what I do mm. and jumping online and talking to people or working mm. out what new products we want to do or looking at packaging or anything like that it just doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah. yeah. So it really I really enjoy both aspects of my life being able to be a really present mum when I am. Mm. Um although I do have to get told to get off my phone sometimes. Um <laughs> yeah. But I do really love, you know, being able to do daycare pickups and drop-offs and, mm. and um, you know, have, have days where I'm just at home with the kids. But mm. I also just love love work and I and I will work late at night or I, I will, um, you know, just do what I can when I can. And I think mm. the routine will come in the next kind of couple of years. But for yeah. me, these last three years have just been about um, – you know, getting the business up and running and getting to a point where we're ready to really expand. Um, and we've made quite a few hires over the past year. So there's now mm. about five of us. Um, we're all parents, all parents of two actually, um, <laughs> and all have little kids. Um, um, our warehouse manager actually has an 11 and a 13-year-old, but everyone else has kind of kids between one and five. Yeah. So we all know exactly what it's like. There's mm-hmm. There's no there's no hiding behind, oh, sorry, I've got to go to the doctors. Oh, sorry, yeah, I've got to go yeah. to A&E. Sorry, I, something's happened. There's a daycare pickup. There's this, there's that. So we all just have that and I don't have that. We have a very open dialogue around that kind yeah. of stuff. And, and you know, um, family comes first no matter what. And mm. that applies um, to everybody in our team. But also yeah. in my life, I, I like to think I've got a nice balance where I can, where I can do it all. Mm. Um, but with that, you know, comes some things like I, I said to Rich last night, oh, I'd really love to go to the gym this afternoon. And he was like, we'll do it, you know, because mm. his parents, his parents, his parents came out from the UK for the wedding and they've been here helping with the kids. Yeah. And I said, oh, but if I finish my work day early, then I just, shouldn't I just go home and look after the kids? Mm. And he was like, well, you've got to look after yourself too. And I was like, yeah, but yeah. I, I sometimes don't feel like I deserve it. Like yeah. I feel like, oh no, I should be home with the kids. It's not someone mm-hmm. else's responsibility to take up, you know, to look after the kids. Yeah. yeah. But I kind of understand that point of, you know, should I go and exercise too? Because mm. that helps me feel good mentally. But I, yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's kind of an internal conflict. I'm not sure mm. if you ever feel like that. Yeah, I think it's just that mum, like that mum guilt sort of feeling, right? Like mm-hmm. it just follows you or it certainly follows me wherever I go. You just always feel like, yeah, there's a conflict somewhere. So, yeah, it can definitely relate. Yeah. yeah. And then with the business, I think we've got this beautiful new office down in, down here. And for me, I'd been working from home for a really long time. So now mm-hmm. I can finally step away from that. Yeah. Um, Harper's nearly 10 months and she's starting daycare two days a week next week. 
and Levi's in daycare five days a week and he absolutely thrives and loves it. Mm. Um, and we have a lot more family support down here. So I don't know, there's a bit more traveling involved for me now, but, um, yeah, I, I think it's just, yeah, just genuinely loving what I do. Um, yeah. and we have so many new, exciting, fun things coming, um, to do from a work point of view, but to also mm. offer to our customers that there's just, there's no way I want to stop. Um, yeah. And if I do need to take a break or if I am getting too tired, then I just kind of admit that to myself now mm. and always kind of go, look, today you're having a shit day, but tomorrow you might not. So yeah. Yeah. just do what you can. Um, mm. And same with like sleeping. My three-year-old will often call me into his bed at 2 a.m. <laughs> every night and I just kind of go, cool, I'll just sleep with you for a couple of hours. And I don't mm. let it bother me yeah. um, because I don't I don't really care. Like I just, mm. I just want them to feel safe and comfortable and – and then Harper woke at five o'clock this morning and I um, put her on the boob and fed her back to sleep. And then I went back to bed at quarter to six and shouldn't get up till seven. But I don't, we don't actually look at our clocks at all ever at night anymore because that's mm. just not healthy. Because um, then you end up overanalyzing in the morning. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I think we just get up and go and yeah. <laughs> No doubt you're 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 very similar. Yeah, I know that you're always busy. Oh, try to be. I, I could um definitely improve in the in the trying not to let things bother me, um sort of mindset for sure. But yeah, I think it's yeah it's um really interesting to hear all about your sort of business and and your babies and how it all works together. I think you've got a a really good thing going. Yeah, and honestly, it is around building a building a business that I absolutely love but also yeah. that works with our life and yeah. often I tell my team this you know someone will be like oh I'll get this to you by Friday and I'm like don't put your pressure on don't put that pressure mm. on yourself like mm. if that's going to be a stretch give yourself till Tuesday mm. do you know what I mean because yeah. I think we often do that because we're always in a rush to try and do things and it's like yeah. no do it do it right and you make less mistakes and usually that the end output is greater anyway um yeah. But I think I'd come from big corporate where it was like, oh, you need to give this to this person and you need to do this and this needs to be done by like no later than Wednesday at midday. And that though you had those constant, constant pressure pressure and stress, um, which ended up for me resulting in in really bad anxiety and really bad Mm. sleeping problems. And that is just not conducive to the life that I wanted to live ultimately. Amazing, Lara. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with us. I think it's it's been so interesting hearing about your different birth experiences and obviously so, um, so scary what happened to Harper. But yeah, so pleased that she's happy and thriving now. And yeah, I've really loved our chat. So thank you. My pleasure. It was so nice to talk to you and actually get through all of that. I can't believe it's been (laughs) over an hour, but (laughs) lots of detail. I wish there was less detail, but there, there really wasn't. <laughs> it's too complicated. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I hope you enjoyed it, and I will be back with another episode next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.